Hey everybody, uh, welcome back to Terminus, the uh, fume lush ice of Extreme Metal Podcast. I am the death metal guy, aka I want to see a movement out there, the intersectional dialectic of moshing. <laughs> I told you I had a good one. <laughs> That's pretty good. There's be some very, very abstract wall of death going on. <laughs> you know? um, all the all, and you know, in the end, all of the big pe- all the big guys have to sort of like lie down while the small guys kind of like stomp them. It's, um, <laughs> it's called speaking truth to power. <laughs> yeah, it's um. So the uh, so I guess I am the black metal guy, aka best friends. This lobster with anxiety has an emotional support alligator. <laughs> well, that, that, well, it couldn't be an alligator. It would have to be a crocodile. Oh, why? Uh, because alligators are freshwater only. Mm, mm, good point. Good you point. see, you get to learn about biology on Terminus. That's true. You'd, there's no such thing as like an uh, as a, a freshwater lobster that lives in estu- brackish estuaries. Uh, freshwater lobsters. I I don't know. Are there freshwater lobsters? Let I don't me know. There's like out. weird freshwater clams and stuff. You know. Uh, uh, there's like crayfish, which I guess you can kind of like grandfather into the lobster category in some sense. I mean, they're freshwater. But uh, I, I immediately call it as a as a lifetime Floridian. You know, alligator biology is near and dear to my heart. So. <laughs> I'm always always there to to help people out with the cool gator facts. Yeah. Dude, there's a... Wait, wait. There's a picture of pink coral freshwater lobster. This thing is badass. Ooh, pink coral freshwater lobster? Yeah, yeah. This is like... This guy has been souped up. Um, Maybe it's like specially bred or something. I mean, that is, he's a fancy boy. I really the like Arizona his color. Aquatic offers a variety of unique lobsters, including the pink coral freshwater lobster, native to New Guinea. Easy to care for and feed. In fact, they scavenge for leftover food and waste. Ah, detritus. Um, well, <laughs> I was so, hoping so, that the, so I was there. hoping that that was in the description. Ah, detritus. <laughs> <laughs> um. Females will carry babies for more than six months under her tail. That's pretty dedicated. That's that's a good mother. Yeah. yeah okay. I, so it's our it's our pink coral freshwater lobster with anxiety who has an emotional support alligator. There. I like it. Sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I can go with that. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> let that one play out. <laughs> It'll be great until the alligator just gets tired of it, as they are wont to do sometimes. <laughs> Um, this episode is uh, brought to you by uh, Arizona Aquatic Gardens. <laughs> it's brought to you by everyone's uh, youthful dreams of becoming a marine biologist. <laughs> why, why is it on like um, like 90s or 2000s shows, marine biologist was always like a, a shorthand for like big aspirations, like as a kid? That's kind of falling there was away. A- there was a brief moment when that was my big aspiration, you know, like around four or five. You, you wanted to become, you wanted to become the American Jacques Cousteau. I really admired, yeah, the diver at the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago. <laughs> I yeah. just, I well, he, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an archaeologist, but I just watched a lot of Indiana Jones, so I think that kind of caused. Yeah, that. yeah, it's um, the uh, but yeah, I, 
you know, things have fads, right? The 90s was like early environmentalism. And so like they, it was like stuff that was an, an easy sell to the masses, right? So like the Rainforest Cafe. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Or like, like, so we like the Rainforest, you know, Amazon.com, the Rainforest Cafe. And then you also have like Shamu, right? Yeah, know, we yeah. all like we all like you know we all like whales, so uh, I think I think it was a, probably a product of that. It's like you know, I mean, I, you see, that's that's one of those like mass cultural trends that I can kind of get behind. I believe some, oh, of course, n- some standard environmental impulse is something that should be fostered. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, especially if you can create cool, uh, fancy-looking freshwater lobster. Um, and speaking of uh, supporting the most important environments across the earth, you can support, support Terminus, <laughs> the only the only yeah. environment that matters in our co-prosperity sphere. Uh, so one of the easiest and freest ways to do that is by subscribing to us on social media. Uh, you can follow me, the Death Metal Guy, on Facebook at Terminus Podcast or my compatriot the black metal guy on instagram at terminus extreme metal additionally if you are uh listening to this in another tab on youtube why don't you mosey back on over from the hardcore pornography you're watching in another tab or on your second monitor if you're especially elite uh and hit that like and subscribe button and uh, be sure to hit the bell so the notifications go right to your inbox Uh, Also, feel free to leave us a review on whatever podcasting platform of your choice you may happen to be listening on. And finally... You could also leave us a a YouTube comment describing the hardcore porn you're watching. Yeah, I would highly encourage that. Links, you know, you could always just add a link. Add a link. uh, (laughs) Describe it in excruciating detail. If you can do some of that AI upscaling to improve the frame rate and the resolution, (laughs) that would be really cool, too. Uh, I know some guys on some forums I go that are doing that with, like, classic 90s pornography, and the effects are uncanny, let me tell (laughs) you. And then for the truly elite... (laughs) <laughs> Those are the most pornographic among us. Uh, you can support us on our equivalent of OnlyFans, which is Patreon. $3 and up gets you access to the Terminus Prime and Terminus After Dark bonus episodes, where we cover uh, older records that we consider hidden gems, as well as uh, listener submissions from uh, upper-level patron tiers. And uh, $5 and up gets you access to the uh, Terminus Black Circle, our private Discord server where we discuss things like freshwater lobsters and uh, the status of everyone's various Warhammer miniature painting ventures. Mm. With that being said, Black Metal Guy, uh, you do have a a little thing for us to uh, open the episode. Is it time for heated opinions on Chilean war metal? Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Wow. Things have really come full circle. Well, <laughs> we got an email several months ago, and by several I mean possibly five months ago, from a literal Chilean war metal band called Onslaught Command. That's Command with a K. Don't of get course. it twisted. Um, and this is their self-titled debut on Gods with a Z of War Productions, one of the labels that we find ourselves constantly shilling. Um, uh, that and, like, Inferna Profundus are some, like, that's some, like, real, real shit. Yeah, Gods um, of War and Inferna Profundus yeah. have been putting out just awesome stuff over the past yeah. couple of years. So, yeah, so somehow kindred spirits. Anyway, 
onslaught command is uh it is like they have a very distinctive take on the war metal idea and it is extremely refreshing and very much up both of our alleys Mm -hmm. uh um, you know um this like the uh this sounds very different from the last thing we'll be reviewing tonight, but both of them could be described as bulldozer music. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and I like that. <laughs> you certainly do. <laughs> yes. So, so death metal guy, how would you describe the uniqueness of this? Well, onslaught command is, uh, I mean, to put it in the simplest terms, it is war metal, of, of a style that we used to see more of, but has kind of fallen away, um, which is war metal that is pretty much built exclusively out of, like, death metal and grindcore parts. Um, I remember uh, one time I was uh, hanging out with an old bandmate. Uh, I was in, like, a sort of a, a black death band with him, and he wasn't much of a black metal guy. And I was like, well, have you ever... But he was a big grindcore guy. I said, well, have you ever listened to, like, Revenge or something? And he was like, no. So I just threw some on in my car, and he was like... Wait, people call this black metal? And that's, that kind of stuck with me. It's like, yeah, why do they? Um, because really what Onslaught Command resembles more than anything is like old repulsion demos or something like primordial death grind stuff that was still a little bit janky in its playing. Uh, it was just trying to go really fast and really loud and really chaotic. I guess as far as... Um, established war metal stuff that people would be more familiar with. Uh, this would be cut from the same cloth as uh, something like, you know, war metal is debatable, but something like uh, sadistic execution or maybe uh, bestial war lust, but like a little bit more put together. Definitely also more down tuned than either yeah. of those. Those and are both trebly. Um, yeah, those are both trebly. This is, this is very down tuned. This would might be a little like a uh, manticore. Um, yeah, yeah, who, Manticore. Who I think they have a, had a new one maybe this year, and I think we missed it. But that was a I good I did band. see that. Yeah, now Manticore yeah. was very cool. I got to go back. That would be yeah. fun to do like a little roundup at the Catch end of the up. year. Catch up, yeah, keep that as a ringer. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I think it is really cool. This is a really concise demo. This is six tracks in under 13 minutes, and it's just a ripper all the way through. It's a distinct statement of intent. Um it is, I don't know, it's just really cool to see uh, this style being played again. And insofar as it does have any relation to black metal, it has a relation to stuff like The Oath of Black Blood by Beharit. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the noisiest and most obnoxious sort of like basement black death of the finish scene. Vaughn. Oh, yeah, and oh, Vaughn yeah. is going to be a, a big part here, too. Uh it's just really cool, and the the whole aesthetic is extremely death metal. All the lyrics are just about people getting murdered and stuff. It's like it's a refreshing palate cleanser, you know. Yeah, this is it's uh, it's these are very uh, old school extreme metal lyrics and song titles. And so, without further ado, it's time for carbonized at the lynching tree.
So one theme for tonight is going to be me insisting on important differences between extremely primitive riffs. And yeah. <laughs> that was a sick D-beat riff. Oh, that... That one stuck out to me, too. That's, that's like, a classic sort of, like... Like, Napalm Death on their earliest stuff would have done riffs like oh, that. that's a really... Yeah, it's like something on Scum. Um, it It's very... You could compare it to Coffins, too, but it's not really a Coffins thing. It's not, like, like flabby enough. Mm-hmm. It's... It's a really good use of just del- very deliberate pacing. It's a long riff, and it's taking advantage of that thrash, you know, palm mute and thrash pedal point format to write what's basically a DB riff. It's... I also like the the little... um The chord at the end rings more. It's like he throws in the octave there or something. You, do you hear what I mean? Like, yeah, there's yeah, like there's, a, there's, there's an like overtone a little, there. It's, it's not exactly epic, but there's a more sort of like, there's a brighter chord at the end, which is really cool. Yeah, it's um, like, it's it's the distinction, when it comes to like really primordial riffs like that, it's like the distinction that makes it a metal riff rather than a hardcore riff. It, yeah, for sure. And um, yes, that's a good way of putting it. It's a very metal way of writing the D-beat riff. Um, it sounds, oh, it sounds like Moment Maniacs also. That's a, one of many uh, Marduk side projects. Uh, yeah, you've mentioned them on yeah, the show yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh but so that's really cool i would say one of the weaknesses of this record is there could be a little more bespoke work on the riffs throughout the sound quality is so fucking good right the tone is awesome uh the vocals sound really good i feel like there are filler riffs in certain places like the like where i i just feel like you could write a riff that's has the same number of notes or even fewer and would just be a little more distinctive. Yeah, it could just be a matter of like shaping what's there a little bit more. I mean, with with stuff like this, I just I don't put really a high priority on like individual riffs. This is I mean, this is to me music that's like about aggregate effect. So it's like I, I can kind of forgive that. I mean, I, I agree. I think like that's presu- I mean, this band is clearly capable of writing really cool riffs, and so presumably that's why they're just like, yeah, we just need like one of those riffs there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get it. And listening to it another time tonight, I'm more inclined to say that that part sounds fine, honestly. Like, and yeah. I also like I also like the slowdown they do with that. After well, it. this is a very different. This is a very different thing to listen to on headphones versus. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so how, how would you describe... I think I completely agree. How would you describe that? Oh, well, the bass is just fucking overwhelming. Like, the bass yeah. the bass is louder than the guitars when you're listening on headphones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, it is... Like, it is what you would call, like, badly produced, but in a very cool way. In that it's like, there's been no, like, high-pass filter on this stuff at all, so you're getting all the horrible sub-bass rumble that makes everything around it clip. Like, it's it's really yeah. cool. It's how, this, yeah. it's how this stuff should sound. The sound is awesome. I think if they could get it to sound more like that on speakers, too, that would be awesome. Because... So for me, when I put on the headphones, it's like suddenly I'm not caring about the riffs as much because the sound is just enveloping. Right? Yeah, the, t- the timbre just totally takes and, and, control. And the focus is on bass, yeah, bass tone and rhythm and stuff. Uh, the um, And that's how it should be. This music, like, music like this, you want to be able to have it at maximal effectiveness when it is blasted on speakers. 
Mm-hmm. So that might be like a production trick to work on because you got to have it sound that disgusting when you're like bumping it in the car or, you know, playing it at a weird party. <laughs> you're trying to you're trying to clear a room at a party. You yeah. know? It's like, yeah. oh, who invited them again? <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, this is fun music. The, well, this is fun for me. I yeah, don't know if you're having me. fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really right. concerned. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's go to my pick. Uh, this is, I love the uh, the hilarious passive voice of this song title, which is Becoming a Gut Pile. <laughs> it's just like mm-hmm. the, the phrasing there is hilarious to me for some reason. And this is a really cool song because it's super incoherent and very strangely shaped. And here I want to kind of draw attention to something. Like a gut pile? Yeah, yeah, like a gut pile. Yeah, it's sort of, uh, it's sort of a, a amorphous and asymmetrical. Um, and I want to, I want to draw attention here to something that used to be really important, but um, has been kind of forgotten, which is war metal's sort of relationship to gore grind, like mm-hmm. early gore grind mm-hmm. stuff, which is very apparent on a lot of early war metal stuff. But it's been kind of jettisoned. But definitely not for onslaught commands. They they're keeping it gore one hundred percent. So originally I was going to talk about like War Metal's relationship to like the first Carcass record, but what that track really sounds like is like an old Impetigo song. 
or maybe something by Righteous Pigs or Hideous Manglia, some of these like early death grind bands that are like footnotes in the Relapse Records catalog nowadays, but were really formative and important back then. Um, and they still uh, do really cool music because death grind back then wasn't a, a concept uh, that was as firmly established as it is now. So you would just have kind of like wild, weird stuff happening. Like that big lurching main riff in that song, that da 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 Yeah, yeah. That's totally like an impetigo thing because they were they were kind of death and kind of grind and kind of punk and kind of rock and roll all at the same time. And you can't really get riffs like that without that weird melange of influences. Um, it, and these guys seem dedicated to that kind of authenticity. There's something weirdly subtle there, too, because where they first they introduce that one of the heaviest parts of the song. And this is rare. One of the heaviest parts of the song is the dropout. Yeah, <laughs> and and it goes just like, and the way that just the way they introduce the riff is crushing because they're playing it like at two thirds or a half of the speed you'd expect it. And the funny thing is, if this were like Coffins or something, right, or a band in that vein, they or like say like a really gory modern gore grind or porno grind band, mm-hmm. they would continue playing it at that tempo with a really flabby skank. Yeah, but there's actually a you know one thing. There's actually a tempo change after that. Like when they drops in the D beat is I'm pretty damn sure the the chords are coming faster in the D beat part than they are over the dropout. I just I just realized the notation for that riff that da 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 da. Um, it's it's really cool. It's really heavy, right? It's also it's also the music you hear in every scene of a factory at work from a Hanna Barbera cartoon. It's da 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 All right, and we are back and ready to discuss a split between Yehimnasvall and Kaban in Cyrillic. This is out on Nidstang Productions. Uh, it's been a while since we checked in with Nidstang, uh, and a while since anyone heard from Yehimnasvall. This is a band that was sort of starting to attain some underground hype right as the lockdown era rolled in. And then after that point, you know, uh, the band sort of receded to the shadows, and now it is back. Uh, and it's interesting. It's, well, it's, 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 it, it's cool that it's back, and um, it's, it seems to be a solo project, so it's cool that he's back. Um, but uh, the... So there's been an interesting thing that's happened, right? The, the first EP uh, was this sort of hyper-minimal stuff that had f- this kind of Franco-Finnish riffs, you know, like some one massive Sargeist-style hook on it, but was really a lot more like how you have described a core USBM aesthetic from Judas Iscariot and stuff. Yeah, I, I like, think that there's a lot of commonality between yeah. some of those melodic yeah. ideas. Yeah, Judas Iscariot may in fact be one of the sources for that style in general, like for the Finns and French, uh, mm-hmm. but and certainly coexisting um, in the late '90s. But um, 
but like so it so although there were these big hooks on it it really was a lot more like bleak trudging and uh blurred out static um heavy use of distortion on vocals but instead of doing the thing where it just takes aggressive vocals and makes them sound weaker here it was really being used to create this like wash of it almost at times it sounded like a distant eagle at other times it sounded like waves washing up on the shore or something the Mm -hmm. vocals so like really abstract vocals which was cool using them as an instrument um and you know if it had come out 10 years earlier, people would have called it, or 15 years earlier, people would have called it a DSBM record, I think. Yeah. Well, it definitely would have been slotted alongside Mm -hmm. stuff like Leviathan and Zaster, even though Mm -hmm. musically it has, like, almost none of the same DNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would have been close to the first Drowning the Light or something. Um, Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, But, yeah, so then he he did a split with Borda's Rope, um, and... At that point, it moved more towards what we now think of as the Franco-Finnish style. So just like big riff, big riff, big riff, and much more focus on the sort of like broad chords that you get on Satanic Warmaster records and broad chords, lots of movement in the melodies, etc. The Sargeist influence sticks around, but it sounds way more like the the poppier side of the Finnish stuff, but with still with this sort of blown-out USBM production. Um... And, you know, then it just sort of disappeared. And in a way, it sucks for it sucks for this guy that it wasn't able to, that the project wasn't able to keep its momentum as the style crested. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's if there was going to be a, a Johannes Vol full length over the last couple of years, it would have done really well because there was so much demand for this sort of sound. Right. But in a way, I feel like it's a, a kind of an artistic blessing. Uh because that sort of, um, you know, the Franco-Finnish stuff has kind of crested. There's been supreme saturation of it. Uh, it has beco- inadvertently become the new pop black metal. Uh, and, um, and you know, like, you sort of inadvertently dodged that bullet. Well, it would have been caught up in all that. It would have also gotten lost in kind of the glut of... Um, Instagram tape black mm-hmm. vampire stuff too, on which I think it was influential. You know, yeah, yeah, not I, I, not I like so. not like the most influential, right? We'd have to go back to like Sanguine Relic or whatever, but yeah, you know, um, uh, but yeah, it, it would have got lost in that stuff, and which would have been a shame because it's always been you know a number of cuts above that, and you know, authentic, whereas that stuff is false. Um, so, uh, so. So the sound, at the same time, there have been trends in the music have, have changed in some different ways. So taste has shifted towards, even as that, you know, uh, Sargai's Satanic Warmaster stuff got really huge, at the same time, people started shifting towards an interest in brighter, bolder sounds, right? For better or worse, right? Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, it it's the it exaggerates the pop black tendency even further and becomes, well, all sorts of things. On the other hand, it becomes like the stuff we call solar black metal, right? Or maybe some of the outlaw rock stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And you might think that a band that had these big Finnish hooks might move more towards this sort of like, you know, the hyper ornate sort of, uh, you know, galal based 
guitar style that's being used to make pop black or towards the Vothana worship thing or whatever. But it, it's... He has not. He's actually moved in the opposite direction. And this sounds a lot more just sort of like bold, direct, and sort of manly. Uh, and the production is really different. It Instead of being like receding behind the wall of fuzz, it's very forthright and powerful. And the riffs are paired back significantly. So this is, it's, it's actually gone a a very different path from one that it could have gone and has sort of come out the other end of this trend peak with a distinct sound and you know yeah i don't know that was a long preface but does that all compute to you it all it all basically computes to me i i I think that this is a project that is probably interested in and to some degree influenced by a lot of the stuff that we're really into that is in many respects like we would argue sort of outside of black metal at this point that's like just sort of progressed so far it doesn't really count as like part of the parent genre anymore mm-hmm. but Geheimnisval itself seems very concerned with maintaining itself as a black metal band first and mm-hmm. foremost um so while you're going to hear melodic ideas that are going to be very similar to some of the outlaw rock stuff or sort of the predecessor to that the whole solar metal idea it's structured and it's executed in such a way that it's much more definitively black metal and much more definitively related to like traditional Scandinavian black metal in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. Um, I I would also argue, and it's not just because of the cover track here. The emphasis here is much more distinctly on sort of French riff figures rather than Finnish ones. So I I think what we're seeing is I would argue whether Franco Finnish has reached a full point of saturation. I think it's reached a point of saturation for us just because we covered so much of it in the first couple years of the show. But I Fair enough. Yeah. I bet the Franco Finnish thing is going to continue being a huge thing for at least the next five years. Because um, it's going to take a long time for that to trickle all the way out. It, we're, we're, it's going to require like eight bands. Oh, it's going to be like Orthodox. Yeah, you, we haven't gotten to the point where there's like eight bands on Candlelight and Seasons of Mist that all sound like Sargeist yet. <laughs> you know? Oof. Yeah. Um, well, that'll we're starting happen. To, yeah. It, yeah, we're starting to get it. But yeah, it's... um. So, yeah, so I think the, yeah, the switch towards the French bands, I think, is a very good point. Um, and by the way, yeah, we're going to talk about the other side short. You know, we'll get into the Caban side. But um, we're just rolling with, with this for now. So... Uh, um, yeah, yeah, so the cover here is a cover of my favorite Signor Volan song, uh, Eagle Conquerant, right, so Conquering Eagle, uh, and it's a really good cover. He fleshes out the harmonies and changes up the feel of the song in a bit, uh, in, in, in a way, so that it's actually a highlight rather than a sort of, like, token thing that you always skip. Well, yeah, and it's um, also, it's not the opening track, off that EP, which is the one that everyone covers, and it is, like, the track that launched Franco Finnish black metal, in a sense, you know? That main riff on the first the first track off the Senior Volanda EP mm-hmm. is, like, that is the blueprint for everything after. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it it it's like the, um... You're saying it's not that track. Yeah, I'm saying it's yeah, not that track, yeah. which which suggests to me, I mean, this is like maybe a bit of a reach. It's a statement that says, yes, I understand that 
what I'm doing is related to this, and I do appreciate that. But also, I appreciate the aspects of it that may have been overlooked by oh, others. Oh, you're you're talking about like like uh, are you talking about Le Jour de, de Dieu sans Comte? I think something? so. I, I just yeah. listened to the whole EP because it's just like 20 minutes yeah. long, so I never remember the track. Oh wait, no. So actually, the Conquering Eagle is the first track on the EP. Um, I, I listen is. to the I listen to the comp usually. Okay, got it, got it. Okay, yeah, it's there are a lot of different ways, a lot of inter tracks, the same tracks or different recordings on different things. Um, so yeah, um, but basically, like this one is, they have some songs that have really really big riffs, big elaborate, glorious dopamine gratifying riffs. Uh, this one is a lot more sparse and bleak and stern mm. um it's very epic but in a way that is like specifically martial um and you could say that the whole uh Vol side of this is a much more warlike sound than their old stuff which was a lot more sort of cryptic and not in the bad sense vampiric mm -hmm. so with that being said do we want to hear big riffs i want to hear big riffs <laughs> always all right, so in that case, let's listen to the second track, uh, Shadows of Agony, which is uh, nothing but candy for the death metal guy all the way through. So obviously the huge one there is the uh, <laughs> that big like strutting slowdown riff that comes mm -hmm. in second on that sample, which is a technique um, that is used a lot by Singer Valand and it's used a lot by Sargeist, but it's it's forgotten by most of the imitators of the Franco-Finnish style because people pair Franco-Finnish down to just the most epic or the most tragic sounding stuff, and they don't realize that it's like like the the native representatives of that style have like a ton of groove in them um and that's something that's maintained here yeah yeah and then that was also a strength in the earliest Johannes fall stuff too especially as the record went on you're like oh wait 
there's just like this, yeah, just sort of punk, slowed down punk skanks. Um, and that was like, um, uh, yeah, like, I mean, I feel like a lot of the people who do the imitation Finn Black stuff are, um, they still have mid-tempo parts, but the mid-tempo parts are like strictly lifeless rote things that you could just clip out in Pro Tools. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, the problem, know. the problem with any of these sort of like imitative styles, uh, obviously this project excluded because this has a much more like interior view of it. Uh, the problem with all these imitative styles is that they they just strip out the most obvious elements of them that make them distinct, build projects entirely around those distinctions, and then forget to backfill it with actual content. <laughs> you know? yes. It's like, yeah. oh, wait, oh, it's like they were like, oh, well, we cut out all the parts of Sargeist that we thought were kind of boring, not realizing that those were the things that, like, allowed the big moments to happen. You know, and Geheimnis Vault is a band that understands, like, how you pace a black metal song. It can't be all the big thing all the time. I say as a person who regularly asks for the big thing all the time. (laughs) The the other cool thing about this track is that it doesn't, although it's super catchy. These are all just, like, big, gratifying, epic Dorian scale kind of riffs. But they are, um, there's no flag as to which is the hook riff. Um, and they are severely pared back. These are like five or six chord notes, riffs often, like, uh, with focused on simple chord shapes. Um, and the mood throughout, although it is certainly like very noble is really bleak. Um, it, there's a, a solemn, and the, the bleakness is sort of smeared from riff to riff. There's a very consistent atmosphere. Yeah, um, and speaking even, of... Yeah, go. Uh, oh, no, I, I was going to finish your thought. I was going to segue for a second. Go for it. Oh, no, I was just going to say, well, it's something that you say, is like the idea of the paired back cording and stuff is very interesting because we were we had to take a quick break because we were having some connection issues, and we were talking about the Senor Valan cover, and I realized, I, I kept going back and forth because I'm like, this doesn't sound like the same song, but it turns out that... It, Aigle Conquerant is the song that I'm thinking of, the beginning of the Seigneur Valand EP, but the way Johannesfall executes it kind of buries the lead of the main melody on the giant riff that defines that song and completely like reinterprets it as sort of a straight power chord riff, which suggests yeah. that he hears these kinds of things, this sort of Franco finished style, very differently than a lot of other people do. Yeah, so the big riff is Yeah, it's the er riff from which the whole style descends. However, unlike a lot of the sort of most flashy riffs in that style, it is a very austere and solemn riff. It's just moving down a chord progression in this kind of elegant gliding way. Yeah, if you um, if you listen very closely, one of the guitars is etching out that traditional French yeah. melody, but it's, it's way buried. It's way buried, and what's in the front is yeah, just like almost like a one note power chord trem thrash, and under it just huge bass, which is another strength of this EP, and which is part of what makes the mid tempo part so strong. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating because like just thinking about that, thinking about that sort of reinterpretation of this classic idea. 
suggest that's one of the reasons Johannes Fall is so different because he's taking in these Franco-Finnish influences that at this point are like standard issue for like black metal musicians now, but he's hearing it in a radically different way. The the things that are significant to him are very different from a lot of other people, which results in very different music. Yeah. All right. So here, you know, here, you know, another thing is that like this is still full of catchy moments, just not in a cheap way. Mm-hmm. Right. So here's the um, so maybe yours was the most solemn. Mine is actually maybe one of the more uh, the first track is like very major key and a sort of like aggressive, resolute major key. I feel like that's a, it's a cool idea. And I like the rough hewn simplicity there. But I'm not sure the riffs just aren't as compelling to me as mm-hmm. they are on some of the other tracks. Um, I feel like on this third track, uh, Final Destiny, Gathered by the Winds, he sort of brings that bleak brightness together with the more traditional scowling, sliding Dorian chord stuff that we just heard. Um, and I think this track is great and a sort of... Uh, it's a great example of maximalist minimalism. You know, there's your Corellian Satanist madness riff, but you have yeah, to go right twelve. At the very end. <laughs> you have to go twelve minutes. Yes, um, and at that point, it's just been launched by the whole song, which has these kinds of gradually ascending energy. Yeah, it's got that barreling momentum. 
to it. You know, yeah. every every and riff naturally collapses into the next one in a linear fashion. Yeah, and could you hear how like the sense that like there were a lot of it's like these were brighter tones. There was a lot of major chording happening there, but it still had that sort of um gratifying sort of um minor key epic grit to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, another interesting thing about his playing is that he's doing a, a technique that's sort of like forgotten, like uh, like a traditional like French riff craft technique, which mm. is um, so we all know the how to play the game of doing sargeist riffs by you know uh, basically you take like a punk uh, root note structure and then you're just wrapping sort of minor key melodies. You take around a it. power chord and you move up a half step so it's a minor sixth, and then you move back to the power chord, and then you take the fifth away so it's a modified power chord, and then you go to the it's bar, and then you go to the minor yeah, third. Yeah, 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 yeah all the yeah, standard yeah. stuff. Yeah. But but a lot of people have forgotten that there's a lot of French bands uh, in the old school as well as now nowadays that are uh, building melodies like purely out of those like inverted power chords and moving them around in the manner that you would like a regular power chord riff. Mm. Um, so j- the result of that is just something that that feels radically different in timbre just because um, you don't have the, the same body that you're used to of traditional power chord shapes. You just have this sort of like vaguely sour even though it's all in key motion around the fretboard mm. and i think it's really interesting it just it it, well, it, well, it it builds more tension into the chord i mean like death metal bands use that sometimes yeah yeah it's it's a it's a technique that doesn't it it lacks the sort of bodily satisfaction of the standard big franco finish riffs which is why the imitators don't fucking use them anymore because they're too hard and weird you know but they're like a definitive part of the french style yeah, well, and obviously, you know, the cool hybrid riff at the end where we get one of these punkish sections now, but like with a, you know, a lot more of an oi vibe there mm-hmm. or, you know, but the, um, uh, it's, it's a cool hybrid. You've, you, it's got like multiple on um, sometimes it's like a thrash. It's a thrash riff, fin black riff hybrid. But it's very carefully and deliberately paced, kind of like in the way that that first onslaught command D beat riff was. Actually, um, it sort of takes its time, and there's a really cool. You you stress the Scandinavian thing. The way it shifts to blasts in the middle is super Norwegian. It it yeah. shifts from the skank to the blast beats in the middle of the riff, but without losing momentum, which is the kind of thing that a band like Emperor would do at the very beginning. Yeah, it's uh, it is structurally very beholden to traditional black metal, and as much as I enjoy a lot of the stuff that is like going so far out that um, yeah. you know it, it's it's going so far out it sort of like goes beyond the threshold of black metal. It's cool to see people executing this in a traditional way that is very authentic to the sort of systems used in the original music. Yeah, stoked for the full length, which I assume is coming. All right, and after my connection dropping again, we are now rolling on into the Kaban. So, this project is on the, is or rather is from the Horrible Room scene from Russia, the Horrible Room uh, crew. Uh, and this is a collection of bands that is basically like... Uh, um, transplanted the Legion Bloton concept from the UK to Russia. So, so gritty, uh, noisy, 
stripped down black metal that has a lot to do with the mysterious guy hardcore of the early 2000s but through that also a lot to do with oi and rac Mm -hmm. uh and also a lot to do with noise music uh of various kinds and industrial so this sort of um basically you know we've talked before especially towards the beginning of the show about like there are certain there are certain black metal bands that are metal bands, and then there are other ones that are really hard to define as being metal at all, but somehow it is black metal, mm-hmm. right? You can basically make black metal with just punk parts and sort of folk and, you know, folk and classical and vaguely metal ideas of melody, right? Uh, and so the, the Horrible Room bands are very focused on this, like, building black metal from punk parts thing. Um the last we we covered one thing from them before and which was probably maybe the most metal thing they put out which was the leshy ep mm-hmm. which was a phenomenal release from a, a well over a year like a year and a half ago or something yeah it was um, a while back i think it was like march yeah that made my year end that was that that was super cool it was basically like senor volant worship but actually the more you listened to it the more it had going on um and, uh, you know, up there with Johannes Fall for a really true take on that style. Mm-hmm. However, um, on this half of the EP, they're, they're, or the split, rather, ugh, they're um, much closer to the bread and butter, sort of stompy, raw black sound. Uh, however, it's a very interesting... So I guess you could say this is I beat Iljarn Worship. However kind of with a twist and i told you death metal guy like this will be the first thing that sounds like iljarn that you like and you were somehow correct how did the fuck did you call that exactly like i had huge doubts when you like mentioned that to me because mm-hmm. i really i mean there's like stuff in that vein that i'll appreciate um but in general i just don't like it this is the first one that i like like uncritically enjoy and i can't speak specify why i like it so much more than all the other iljarn type stuff well it's got a thing that separates it which is it's really seems focused less on the uh um less on the thrashing one two beat one two beat parts and a lot more on these dramatic slowdowns with extended droning repetition and that makes it that that's it makes it a lot a lot more like industrial music uh, yeah, and, it's, it's, uh, what was I, I was like, I get a big, like, Ride for Revenge vibe off a lot of yeah, the cop on absolutely. Side. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really cool, and I think the other thing is just, like, I was trying to think about, like, why I like this so much more than, like, uh, a lot of the other material in the same style, and I think that it's just, like, Iljarn and a lot of bands similar to Iljarn are just, like, in sort of a weird middle space where I either want it to be much more melodic or much more grotesque. And Kaban just goes really fucking grotesque with it. So so it starts to resemble just, like, really putrid, bizarre, like, say, like, Portuguese black metal. Or, like, you compared it to, like, Abruptum in sort of a loose sense. And I pick up on all of that. This is more akin to some of the really extreme doom stuff that I like versus yeah. Iljarn, even though it's built out of Iljarn parts. I think the thing that makes Iljarn really extreme, which is the way these kind of like meshing, meshing black metal chords sort of, uh, they're like sort of textured trem, uh, 
tram lines often sort of clashing with each other and intersecting in really dissonant or strange ways. That's just like not, there's a certain kind of like abrasive high-end guitar that I like more than you do. Yeah, and yeah. So like that kind of, and this kind of edge between, you know, folkish melody and like harsh dissonance. And that's just more my territory, you know. Mm. It's, um, you know, even so, I do think Iljarn is difficult to listen to and certainly not in every day for me. It's just something I strongly approve. Um, the, uh, um, but so, yeah, the kinds of things that you want for like real wretched, you know, wretched raw rawness are less on Iljarn and more here. I totally get that. This is more like abruptum and it's more like demoncy. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't even think yeah. of demoncy. Yeah, this is totally fucking demoncy music, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's give them a taste of it. I've got the um I got the first sample. This is just from the first track. They're all just numerically titled. So this is from one into the very beginning of two, uh, just so you can hear how it's sort of sequenced and paced. Uh, and get ready for industrial burzum. That's a good I beat riff. Yeah. 
you know, sinister, undulating, uh, sort of narrow and sharp. Uh, however, it's not really the center of the music. Uh, and in that sense, uh, Kaban really is a lot like Leshy in that it sort of head faints towards a genre that is very popular in the underground now, but actually, like, um, is actually working with a much wider range of influences and a higher concept. Yeah, this is this is very like deliberately executed stuff. You know, it's it's always kind of a toss up when you listen to stuff like this if it's like one very off the cuff and improvisational or if it's very considered. And I think Kaban's on the very considered side. Um also, it, it, these guys have big record collections. Yeah, it also occurs to me that one of the reasons I like this so much is because this is totally like CDR black metal energy. This is totally the kind of thing I would have bought out of like Rusty Axe Records discount bin back in 2005. Well, as is the next thing we're going to review. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. There's there's going to be a lot of commonalities with the next record. Um, yeah, it's definitely that. It also strikes me as being, like, there's a spiritual affinity with, like, the really wonky uh, LLN stuff that I'm super into. Mm-hmm. It, there's, there's a lineage of, like, very weird, very minimal, very experimental black metal-shaped musical objects out there that this is a part of and I, I get really into it yeah so one cool thing there so you can hear like the basically sort of like early you know like early black death or doom guitar playing with just that sweet pick slide yeah 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 like that's not an ill jarn thing to do um, no, that's like a necro schisma thing you, you can hear that the melody really sounds a lot more like you know dunkelheit or something right it's it's um it's those are like early those are hypnotic first gen burzum melodies uh and the really cool thing that i like there and it happens again and again in the slow parts is the percussion which is not working in the standard rhythmic forms of black metal it's sort of like clattering abrasive just sort of like clack 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 uh drum machine it's like it's heavy it's it's heavy in an industrial way and it um it really reminds me of the earliest death in june stuff like nato or maybe even more so break the the most aggressive parts on break the black ice or also the earliest coil like scatology uh where they have some just very heavy tracks uh that are centered around um centered around weaponized drum machine yeah i mean the 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 choice is very deliberate there and the the other thing that strikes me is um this has been composed with like a deliberate artlessness you know like uh for instance that that big lurching kind of doomy riff uh Mm -hmm. that the centers around is Da 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 da. Yeah. So you'll hear riffs like that now, but like most of the time, at the very end there, where we do we rise up to that uh, that high chord, there would be a little dissension on the turnaround back mm-hmm. to back to the root. Here, there's not that. It just like bangs out that high chord and restarts. Like it's it's mm-hmm. deliberately angular in blo- and blocky in a way that is 
to, to arrive back, you have to have been playing guitar for six months or you have to have been playing for 20 years to do that. You know, you know what I mean? To get back yeah. at that kind of idea. And the whole record, uh, the, the whole side by Kaban of this record, it's kind of like that. It's like very deliberately angular and uncomfortable and violating a lot of the standard notions of how black metal guitar is supposed to be played. Yeah, all right. So let's go to your sample. Cool. Let's go to the part that sounds like fucking Ride for Revenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is uh, the third track, um, and it is just so cool. And I love how on all of these Kaban songs, nothing happens, but in a very cool way. Uh, so let's just go to a place and sink into it for a while. You know, I am a I am a man whose tastes in art you could sort of describe as like no middle sliders on character creation screen. <laughs> like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, actually, that's true. Yeah. Um, so I very regularly criticize bands for like when they give me the sense of like, oh, these songs are kind of like still and motionless; they're not really progressing anywhere, unless you very deliberately make it perfectly still and motionless and going nowhere. That's what Kaban does here, and it's fucking sick. I love that nothing happens, that it's just two sadistic, alternating, satanic junkie riffs, and uh, that's just the whole song. And I like the fact that it's the most obnoxious symbol sound in the world just being played at like continuous eighth notes uh there's i have such an appreciation for music that courts like being deliberately sort of obnoxious and unlistenable in this way because it does like have a mood unto itself there's something like genuinely sinister about this that i don't get from a lot of black metal and i think part of that has to do with the 
the abstract senselessness of it that is <laughs> clearly very like deliberately arranged with an artist's hand but could be mistaken for like just sheer fucking like incompetent madness i, I really like it <laughs> oh i think part of the rule for this has to be like you can't say you can't play that riff right like these are such elemental basic ideas that are like you know really parts of riffs rather than riffs and the point is they just play them because you know nobody can stop them uh and it's uh you know at the same time yeah it's really brutal and sort of senseless and motionless structurally motionless but it also because they have that insistent eighth note pulse it also keeps some drive to it which is important to me uh and the bass line um you know although it is this sort of like you know junky black metal riff it's also like a really epic it's also just like the uh riff to joy division's shadow play <laughs> which you were singing <laughs> while yes I yeah you, yeah I was like, I was like, black metal guy, I'm trying to get up the gumption to finally do heroin, and you're really ruining it for me
All right, and we're back from talking about the Northern Boys to review a kind of strangely, strangely kindred release, uh, (laughs) Dude Rupt by Rock from Hayden's Heart Records. Dutch is such a bizarre language. (laughs) Yes. It's Rock with a W. W R O K. Um, And this is. I mean, how to introduce it? Well, a couple, I, you know, one of the glorious things about Hidden's Heart is that the, you know, the sole proprietor, Ariane, will release things on as nice vinyl editions purely because he thinks they have historical importance. Not like, with like complete disregard for what will sell or what will be cool or what other trends. It's, it's sort of a kamikaze record label. Um, and he did like a really fine double LP of rock demos and I ordered it a couple of years back and I was playing it for my buddies and, uh, and, and sort of just dancing around like a goblin in the living room. And one of them was just like, dude, I think this is bad for your mental health. <laughs> uh, um, so this is, uh, highly music adjacent black metal um and it is uh it's ultra primitive scraping basement noise um however with some real musical or anti-musical substance to it uh the yeah what else to say i mean before we get into the music uh maybe maybe we want to start with the mythos uh apparently Rock were famous in the 90s, late 90s Dutch scene for just being maniacs. Uh, the second of the two, uh, the, the, second, the second of those dem- rock demos was, uh, that, that were released on Hayden's Heart, uh, Duisternis, um, is a, quote, great sounding unreleased rehearsal demo from 1997. This was originally planned to be released by Nazgul's Eerie, but considered to be too extreme. Like, imagine out, out extreming other black metal guys in the late nineties, <laughs> right? That's like, th- that's far out. Um, yeah. Okay. Wait. Maybe it's not a double LP. It's just a single LP. But my point stands. Um, and so, uh, and so there, there's also press material that talks about their. Um, for this new record that talks about uh, expect nothing but pure bestial and primordial possession as their legacy of highly controversial shows confirms. So I, uh, I wrote to Hidden's Heart and I inquired as to the nature of those controversial shows and we got an answer, which I will simply read. Ha, yes, this was in 96 at the Barathrum Sabbat Countess Rock Show in Rotterdam. A few days before the concert, there was an extremely violent fight between soccer hooligans of Rotterdam versus Amsterdam. Those two cities are the biggest in the Netherlands, and of course, it's the eternal question. Do you support this or that? Anyway, the hooligans arranged to meet up in some field and fight. It got into a huge, huge fight, and someone actually died there. The band played video clips of this fight, along with concentration camp footage, serial killers, war, etc. on the video screen during the concert. They are not Nazis, but just wanted to shock in any way possible. Remember, this was 96, so a whole different time. (laughs) True. 
Then they covered the stage and floor of the backstage in pig's blood, dead animals everywhere, etc. So when the footage of the dead soccer hooligan appeared on the screen, the venue literally switched off the power and kicked them out. Ah, <laughs> total rock and roll. <laughs> very, uh, very like Hanadarash energy there. <laughs> this is this is what punk should have been, right? This was like the first two years of punk rock uh, energy. Um, uh, just this, just just this. Um, uh, all devouring negativity vortex, and um, th- yeah. What, what do you make of the music, death metal guy? Um, so it's it's interesting uh, because I haven't heard the older rock material, although you've spoken about it in the kind of hushed tones that indicates that it's probably right up my alley. Uh, this was simultaneously more and less musical than I expected. Based on your description, I was expecting just sort of like maniacal clattering black noise stuff. I guess I was thinking like more abruptum Mm -hmm. Um, What's here is uh, more like metal, uh, but it also just it is stripped bare of like musicality in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, th- there's a lot to talk about w- with this in relation to the Kaban that we just spoke about in that they're kind of executing similar stuff, but with a very different vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is primordial extreme metal. I don't even know if I can call it like black metal itself because there's not really black metal riffs. These are more like angular Celtic frost riffs. Played at occasionally frantic tempos. Uh, we call Celtic Frost a black metal band. Yeah, we call Celtic Frost. Well, we call Celtic Frost every kind of metal. They're the first extreme metal band yeah. in a lot of ways. I, I would um, say the energy here is very black metal, but I take your point. I think this is another really good example of black metal that's not really made with any metal parts. Well, yeah, and I would also argue that maybe this is one of the rare cases where it's like. This is still black metal, even though the vibe is very, um, it doesn't appear to be about typical black metal topics. It appears to just be about like death and suffering. (laughs) Um, Oh yeah. This is definitely not a sort of like, it's not martial or glorious. Um, the lyrics. So here's the funny thing about this band or the interesting thing, right? The lyrics focus on extreme misery and pain. Just like they're doing their best to be as fucking sick as possible. The album cover to this is just people who've hanged themselves, including a uh, a small woman or girl. Uh, the This record is apparently, quote, dedicated to all victims of suicide. Rock hopes this album pushes you over the edge. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, there we go. Yeah, okay. Exactly. See, yeah, well... Well, yeah, this and that's that's like a thing that was like a thing in black metal up until like what two thousand two or something two thousand ten, I'd say. Like, oh, even then, like even then, no one was taking Leviathan or Zaster that seriously. You know, it's like no, but like <laughs> DSBM stuff at that. When was Abyssic Hate? Right, he, he that was he, early. That was yeah. He early. said something about that. Anyway, point being, yes. The idea that you wanted to make music so miserable it actually killed people was kind of a big part of the scene back then. And also, and moreover, just the idea of, like, black metal about being a piece of shit. 
like like yeah, black yeah, metal yeah, yeah. for bad people and not like in the cool satanic tyrant overlord way in the I'm just a bad person that likes hurting people way. Yeah, like I stabbed a guy for no reason kind of thing. Exactly, like, which um, is something I'm very into as a death metal guy, and yeah. I, I wish I saw a little bit more of in black metal nowadays. Yeah, that was a big part of the kind of small-A anarchic energy of the early second wave scene, right? A kind of like just utter, utter lawlessness. Yeah, full um, full schizo energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, yeah, you do things so fucking amoral and gro- you do things so grotesque that they don't even fit in like sort of amoral noble ethics, right? They're they're not. It's it's not even like Viking shit. You're just acting like a skit. It's though. just degenerate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're you're like you're being dishonorable and grotesque. <laughs> and um, but um, that was that was part of the energy back then, and this band really taps into that. And I guess that's the other th- that leads us to the other thing. Which is that, as you've heard from us cackling, the point is that there is a deranged glee to this. Um, Oh, they're having a great time doing this. These guys aren't necessarily going out and literally stabbing people, right? John Notveit did that, right? And his music sounded pretty different. But they are certainly, you know, just sort of reveling in the sheer over-the-top absurdity of the negativity and uh, just omnidirectional aggression yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like torture doom in that you can yeah. like tell the sick joy that those guys get out of making it <laughs> yeah. like a certain kind of totally fucked person finds this very fun music and that would definitely include uh, both of us yeah. <laughs> um, so without further ado here is the uh, here is the track that made uh, made made my friend question my sanity um this is the first track of the Aunt Gravenous demo. Just to give you an idea of how this band sounded back in the late 90s, uh, um, this is Blanca Vapens. Ugh. <laughs> 
that is uh, very, very interesting. Uh, yeah. So if you change the vocal production a little bit and you blew it out with more delay, you could release that now as like high-minded industrial black metal on Sentient Ruin. Yeah, yeah, you could like cha- change the production, make it like booming and cavernous. Yeah. Uh, here's the other thing. That is um, 50% like Gabber techno by weight. Yeah. Wasn't that shit really big in the low countries? Gabber was developed in Amsterdam and Rotterdam. I confirmed it while it was playing because I thought so. And it would have been right in the pocket of like the boom in the early to mid 90s when that started getting really big. So rock was heavily clear. Dude, those like kick drum flurries. Mm -hmm. You were not going to fucking get that anywhere in the metal scene. That is 100% Gabber and Speedcore stuff. It's kind of like stuff in Brutal Death. It's kind of like stuff on Graveland Records. But yeah, it's totally its own thing. Yeah, or it's like maybe it's Mysticum a little bit. You know, the dancier yeah. moments of Mysticum. But yeah, but no, Mysticum that's... isn't really isn't as dancey as they should be. Um, yeah, Mysticum is one of those. It, it, Mysticum is unfortunately kind of a cooler idea than it actually yeah. is an execution. Yeah. But I love the idea. So no, for sure. But no, that was funny. It was like, oh, so it's like a Gabber thing. That's fucking cool, man. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's like what we found out about, like, Kathia Flame being really My Bloody Valentine influenced, right? It's like it was a thing where some, like, you know, extreme metal dudes just, like, were doing a ton of E in the 90s. Like, like, to some degree, extreme metal just skipped the 90s. But, you know, in interesting ways, they intersected. So... I mean, that's a key point, is that rock is dance music. Mm-hmm. You are supposed to hop around like a goblin to this. I mean, <laughs> I guess, or kill yourself, but I think it, you'd probably have more fun if you hopped around like a goblin. That's the thing. Um, the the and, kind of people who would kill themselves to rock would never listen to rock. The only people who will listen to this are mm, people who take sick glee in it. You know? exa- exactly, yeah. Uh, oh, man, there's this... Did you catch the moment where there's just this... Uh, they, they just go to the even more retarded version of the retarded riff, and he just goes, rock. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, and those are also not really black metal riffs. Those are weird sort of like ministry riffs or something. Well, a lot no, what, what they are, the dung-dung-dung-dung-dung-dung-dung-dung-dung-dung-dung-dung-dung-dung-dung. That is, as you say, it's very Celtic Frost. What that is is, you know, you're doing the sort of more dissonant version of the thrash metal eastern thra- eastern scales and thrash metal right that's part of what made black and death tonality is like you play like the one minor third you know the jun, jun, and then you add that sick major key interval yeah. above it so it's supposed to be like dung 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 but instead, they just hang on the major thing, so it sounds like sickly perky, almost. <laughs> but, like, if you're at all listening, if you have listened to metal before, right, you hear that and you can tell that it sort of just implies the dissonance around it. And, yeah. um And then when they return to it, they just do an even more bludgeoning version of it, where they just hit the one note, one note, one note, one note, one note, forever until the major third. And that's just like the turnaround. Uh, I I hear your point about like ministry and industrial and stuff, but I feel like you were right about Celtic Frost and Hellhammer. And and just like like primitive hardcore. 
Yeah, Messiah by Hellhammer, right? And Mm -hmm. um, the general, although musically it's different because, like, this is musically way more minimalist, uh, you know, the unhinged energy of Triumph of Death, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, And it's very interesting listening to that in conjunction with this new record, which is clearly of the same spirit but executed very differently. Yeah, it's a lot less... um, so, So that is rock at its most sort of primitive scraping uh industrial um even on the duisternus demo on you can start to hear that like there are weird riffs being played cool melodies things that could be more typical black metal riffs but because of the context aren't uh there there starts to be um a sort of like low-key, still totally deranged, but like a low-key musicality to it. And on this record, we've got just like, in some ways, this is a much more straightforward, a record of much more straightforward bangers. Like, uh, or I guess I consider that track a banger. So what do I mean? This is more like sort of noise thrashing punk rock. Yeah, this is this is much more like this is much more like music. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not music, but it's it's like music. It's a music shaped object. It's music like, adjacent. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Um, well, let's uh, let's hear some of this stuff, and then we can kind of dive into the differences uh, between yeah. the eras. So, compared to a, mo- almost any other kind of black metal, this is not riffy music per se. But compared to what you just heard. This is, uh, you know, you know, this is Van Halen. So uh, get ready for just the a minute into the first track. Her out de van Nudlot and dude, dude.
fast. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, like, unhinged fast. The kind of fast you only get when you are playing as fast as you can. Absolutely, yeah. So, um... So, yeah, what's there to say? Well, first of all, the produ- the sound on this record is phenomenal, mm-hmm. at, at least in my book. Um, listen to this on speakers and turn it up as loud as you can without hitting pain threshold. Um, the cool thing about this is that none of it is actually, like, needling. It, it, none, it doesn't have any of, like, the needling, annoying high tones that you often get with a lot of, like, raw black. No, it's, ge- it's generally very midsy. Yeah, it's sort of like just abrasive midsy noise. And if you turn it up and let it fill the room, it will put you in the basement where this was recorded. Works even well if you even better if you literally live in a basement. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in a region um, that has basements. <laughs> yes. Um uh but yeah, this is um you can really hear the room and you can hear the noise filling the room. It's not like cavernous empty space. No, it's it's cluttered in in a in a pleasant way. It's it's representative enough that you can hear everything that's happening, but it's it's melded together into a, a single sonic timbre yeah. that's really cool. So yeah, I mean, a thing you wrote in the notes, uh, but you know, haven't said, but like, it's a fair thing to say, right? Was mm-hmm. that like the riffs don't matter at all? Yeah, and I think I think that I I saw you kind of disagree with that, and I think we're just talking past each other. I I think that the melodic content of the riffs doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's true. Like you could change you could change the intervals, and like I think the melodic content. Yeah, so like. I think it's often it's worth talking about the melodic content because it has something to do with the atmosphere. But yeah, I think you could write equally good versions of most of these riffs, changing the changing the intervals around. Yeah, I, th- um, I think that what we're what we're disagreeing on is like, is the riff primarily a melody delivery system? I'm inclined to think it is, but there's also places where on a record like this timbre and rhythm yeah. and it, it, like I, I guess that it's it's important that the pitch fluctuates up and down for the guitars yes. but the but the individual note it's hitting doesn't really matter I, yeah. I think that's right yeah so i guess i would say if i had to define a riff i'd say something like it's the basic unit of melody for the delivery of force right yeah it's recognizably a melodic phrase but the primary purpose per, per purpose of the riff should always be to just like crush and demolish and rip um and that's why when we are talk about more elaborate bands i try to call them melodies not riffs like a band yeah. like a band like dawn might sequence their songs like thrash riffs kind of but those are melodies uh or even like satanic the big riffs on satanic Warmaster. those are like fully developed melodies with like you know whole there's a whole dra- as you would say there's a whole drama or or sort of action in the melody yeah and i mean like i mean that's a discussion in of itself is how the metal riff is the the metal riff as unit is probably the single thing that heavy metal as a genre has that is wholly unique to itself there is there is no real equivalent to it, even yeah. in related genres like punk or hardcore. Those are not riffs in the same way. Insofar as I would say, discharge is does work the same way. However, the thing is, it's like 
Discharge just doesn't belong in the history of hardcore. It's like its own thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it has just as much to do with extreme metal. Um, so, so yeah. But let's talk a little bit about the the tonality. Yeah. So the tonality on the riffs is important. Like the the general chord language being used, the vibe. So that first that the blast riff we faded out on, or yeah, the I played that riff. How about you? Oh uh, yeah, I mean th- that's like the the sort of like warm up thing I play at band practice, you know. Yeah, and so what's cool about that riff is that it's so primal and it has a it it has it's sort of hidden, but it has this kind of like hybrid riff form to it. You do that first little half step bend or you know wrist flick, right? And that gives it that that tells us we're in evil thrash land. And then you just hit that big minor third four, and you get this big manly pentatonic ascent. And you can hear that as bluesy, right? It's, or you can hear it as sort of, uh, you know, Euro barbarian. Well, yeah, it's like the, uh, it's like the uh, orgasmatron riff. Yeah. 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 It's like the same, the same figure there. Oh, it's, and it's like every Stooges riff uh, on the first and second record, you know? Uh, So you can hear it as garage punk, you can hear it as motorhead, or you can hear it as like Carpathian Wolves Graveland. Yeah. And and And, really, it's just primordial extreme guitar music. Yeah. Exactly. It is extreme guitar music at its most elemental. You could play that for the Stooges and they'd be like, hey, that's a good one. Um, yeah, it's, um, I, it's, it's interesting because there's also like deliberate restrictions at play where it's, cause I think the only chord shapes they're using across this whole thing are like regular power chords and bars. Like there's like no complex chord shapes. I think everything's diatonic. Um, and what you get as a natural result is that paired back feeling of like mid to late eighties yeah. primordial extreme metal. Except let's talk about the hook riff there. So the riffs do kind of, even though melody is not the central thing that, even though these are far more about rhythm and just uh, tone or mo- timber or mood than they are about the melodies themselves, they do often function as hooks. So when this song, the hook has two notes. Right? Yeah. That's it, right? Um, And what makes it a hook? Well, the root note, there's it's just root note trim, and it goes way longer than you'd expect. And if you're like, if you're not used to extreme music, you'll just hear that as just this law, like barbarically long drone, right? It'll just sound violent to you. Mm-hmm. And if you're used to extreme music, you'll keep waiting for them to change the note and you'll hear the place where they should. And the fact that it doesn't is like, is a statement like a, in and of itself. Yes. It's like, Whoa. And, and then finally it sort of staggers down a whole step However, it feel like at the same, he's fucking up the power chord in some way, like playing it really dissonantly, or there are two guitars or something, so that it's like he's gone down a whole step and a half step at the same time. It's just totally fucking scronked. Yeah, um, it's, it's like, <laughs> this is definitely the kind of band where you can imagine some of these riffs being like, 
hit around this note. Like like just slide yes. up slide up on the fretboard really fast and, and try to land on 17. If you don't, it's fine. Just but try yeah, to. Oh, that's like how you describe mortician, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's just like get somewhere in the vicinity of the or actually devourment. The first devourment record is like that, where it's just well, some of those grinders are just like move in this manner, you know. Well, you know, in in the spirit of gleefully, you know, just gleefully complete evil right or and, yeah, and all those of, fit together pretty well yeah, yeah. yeah th- this is this is actually a lot like the brutal death stuff you like most mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 deliberately a musical it's uh it's 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 interesting because it's so like deliberately non-musical but it's built out of like all the energy you would get from listening to a slayer record you know it's, exactly that's it's like the concrete winds thing right it's like not everything sounds wrong and horrible or like sort of like extremely like primitive but it all rips yeah that's like the essential quality of it mm-hmm. uh most of this does function it's like it's so weird. It's it's like the grammar of this is completely metal, but the individual wording is like some fucked up alien language. <laughs> like mm-hmm. You can see the structural relationship to metal, but like any individual moment just sounds bizarre. Um, mm. And then occasionally they dip into it getting really weird structurally, like on a Hetzvard van de Buhl, uh, which is a v- truly bizarre fucking song that is not shaped like anything I've heard in metal before. The 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 points of emphasis in this song that are like peak moments are utterly counterintuitive. Um and it goes a bunch of different places and kind of nothing happens and I love just how fucking demented this thing is.
so yeah, and later on in the song, things get a little bit more active, but it really is like three halves of a song sort of arbitrarily bolted together in this just bizarre configuration. I love how like the first part of the song just sort of stops. It just sort of falls mm-hmm. apart and they're like, fuck it, next one. So start this new riff and we'll just work on that for a while. It's like they're, it's like they're fucking giving up on the idea at random and then starting a new one. And I just fucking love it, dude. It's so cool. It kind of works. It's like, I think it's very intuitive. What Like, from our standards of what a song is, it's very arbitrary. But I feel like if you're jamming it out in the rehearsal room, it's super intuitive. It's like they literally had the big breakdown. And then they're just like, uh, okay, next one. <laughs> this makes a lot more sense if you see the guitarist and the drummer kind of like looking at each other mm-hmm. curiously while mm-hmm. recording. You know, it's like then it all kind of fits together. If you put that mental image together, it's like, oh, I see. I, I, I think this is definitely a case where a lot of these songs are sort of like half structured, half improv mm-hmm. Um, And this, this song I just love because of just how lopsided and fucking demented it is. And like... Why is that martial snare pattern going on way too long every time it pops up? And why are they kind of echoing the idea on the tom like it's going to be this very connected motif? And then it just kind of stops. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's it's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I, well, speaking of like riffs that could be uh, could be written with completely different notes, like the breakdown riff. So I, I was telling you, Death Metal Guy, while I was listening, like. This is one of the peak moments of the record for me. I was listening to this just doing like, you know, you know, windmills and spin kicks in my room like a fucking hardcore goon. Um, and the breakdown is crushing. And it's the kind of very... it's That's like a Ride for Revenge style breakdown. Yeah. Uh, and the rhythmic... The rhythm in the guitar is really important. And where he changes the notes is really important. But it's all just half step and maybe like down a whole step stuff. And you could change the notes and it would be almost exactly the same. Uh, but it is very precisely written to change those spots. And I thought there was some kind of like improv to it, but it repeats exactly every time. Yeah, that, just that weird clanging low chord that they hit. Yeah as like the denouement to that whole passage is it's so strange. Uh, it's there. It's one of those things where it's like, you think this is random, but they've made such deliberately wrong yeah. choices yeah. At, at every path that it's like, it's like you can only get a zero on a test. If you actually know what all the answers are. Yeah. I, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. It's like, you know, it, where the place where da 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 like where the place where those half steps fall is like different each time they fall. Like they're not the second one doesn't go in the same place as the first one or in one of the normal places it would go. It's it's really carefully timed out there. However, I think you're right that the overall structure of the song is totally like, all right, let's just let's just see where the See where the energy takes us. I think another like weird understated influence here, just because so I started playing with a new band and uh, a lot of them are into like different kinds of black metal and a lot of them are really into shooter. And uh, I've been listening to more shooter lately and it's like, it's very weird listening to those riffs, these incredibly blocky, like pure power chord riffs, but delivered with such speed and intensity 
that they they attain a sort of abstraction of in and of themselves, even though they're just like the world's fastest Celtic frost riffs. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of the same vibe here of riffs that are so primitive and elemental they attain significance through that. Yeah, I get that. Um, oh, and for listeners who don't know what he, he's saying, it's the T S J U D E R, the nor- sort of formative quote Norse core who did Desert Northern Hell. Yeah, um, it's a very strange music listening in 2022. Yeah, so um, yeah, no, I, I hear that. It kind of is like that, or like Panzer Division Marduk, right? It's just a different path to being completely monged. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like, hey, it was the late 90s. We wore trench coats. We were completely monged. Um, So you you, you good for that one? Yeah, sure. Let's let's go on to your next one. So you may have noticed that the sample ended on a just fucking, like, garage rock chord progression. Bum, 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 bum. I can't can't remember exactly how it was, but it was just just rock and roll chords. Um, and wouldn't would you say that like a significant number of the riffs on this record are based on, you know, generally bluesy kind of rock ideas? I mean, yeah, in the sense like a, that a like, lot of them. In the sense that like early extreme metal, it's like this is the material we have to work with is like the weirdest hard rock we can find. So and that's why you hear on a lot of like old Dark Throne records, you just have these very evil rock and roll riffs. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it's coming from like primitive punk. Uh, So these uh, yeah, this in a lot of ways, this band reminds me of the most extreme garage punk, not just the Stooges who are, you know, still the most extreme band of all time, uh, but um, but stuff from much later, like the 90s or or in in the 80s, uh, like garage punk, noise rock, uh, stuff that heavily emphasizes, as you say, timber and also rhythm and noise. and, you know, taking these, like, bluesy riffs that are chromatically fucked and bent. So, uh, here is an entire track of that. This is, uh, in Offer von Blood.
Yeah, so that's just a really fucked up blues scale. Yeah, yeah, it is. I I think that I think that if you dig back into a lot of like primordial black and death stuff, you're gonna find a ton of pentatonic stuff. It's just, it sounds so different because we're we're used to pentatonic riffs progressing in a certain manner, um, like in rock and roll bands, and then the metal bands just start like cutting up those scales and rearranging yeah. them in really yep. weird ways, and that's how you kind of get primordial extreme metal ideas. Yeah, like, um, uh, yeah, Stooges and Motorhead. Motorhead, the Ace of Spades riff, right? It's basically mm-hmm. like chromatic mind, chromatic blues, right? You really yeah. emphasize the fact that you the the tritone, which is normally a passing tone, becomes like the center of the whole thing along with the root, mm-hmm. right? And you basically then take that as license to add random chromatics wherever you want. Um, <laughs> and then and then you get into full-fledged like Slayer territory where it becomes yeah, or, entirely or, chromatic. Or, or Hellhammer, right? Yeah. Um, Hellhammer you can like hear, or on uh, Crypt, Crypt of Rays, right, by Celtic Frost, you can hear these this weirdly rock and roll, almost Ramonesy chord progression, which, you know, I'm not even a huge fan. It's like weird. Uh, oh, yeah, I, no, into, into Crypt of Rays has that weird like descending chromatic figure yeah. on the chorus that's just like it's, four, three, two, one or some shit. It, yeah. yeah, it has some, it has queasy hard chromatics, but also like a perky major key blues progression. Like, it is such and, a weird song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, that, that song is succeeds only because of how broken it is. Um, oh, I, I love that track. That's like one yeah, of my favorite yeah. Frost songs. <laughs> no, I, I had to get, I had to get older and dumber to really appreciate it. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, but yeah, so speaking of dumb, um, like in terms of the, you know, it's entirely possible these guys have never listened to like a punk record in their lives and mm. they're, they're just getting here by reptile brain affinity. But like you could, there's a real clear, clear parallel to stuff like the birthday party, uh, which are this sort of like lurching, lower mid tempo, broken chromatic blues grooves similar kind of like ranting vocal delivery uh also brain bombs right like brain bombs musically sounds weak in a way that this doesn't like deliberately it's supposed to be like wretchedly sort of wretchedly fumbling Mm -hmm. but the whole the whole spirit you you've listened to brain bombs right I probably once in the it's, long past. I'm familiar with the band, it's, but yeah. It's, yeah, it's just like very, it's again, it's like sicko drunk party music. The lyrics are totally antisocial. You know, it's like they have a song just about stabbing someone in the head, which sounds like physically difficult. Uh, <laughs> some just like um, extremely creepy, uh, like rapey sex lyrics. Uh, you know, stuff that's like just legitimately totally antisocial and awful, mm-hmm. right? And uh, somehow they got a pass in the punk scene for a very long time. But uh, I think that's because it was so obviously preposterous, right? Yeah. It's, Brain Bombs is it's gleefully antisocial and it's a uh, it's it's a vibe. Um, and <laughs> this this sort of lurches kind of like brain bombs, and the ranting vocals are very uh, are kind of a lot like that. Minus the thing that makes it part of the art punk scene, which is this deliberately stuttering, self neutering vibe. Yeah, um, no, this is just like just puking as hard as possible continuously. Exactly. <laughs> so. Oh, I love that. Yeah, puking oh, dude, as hard. Oh, as, speaking of which, the vocals. <laughs> yeah, they're, I they're just say they're they're really. 
they're awesome. They're fucking awful in like a cool way. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's it's he's he's clearly just having fun like just being as grotesque as possible. Like every mm-hmm. syllable wavers in like a three octave range. <laughs> just gonna... the, the way that like the the way that the reverb sort of like I don't know what the technical word. It kind of like pans the vocals across the entire rehearsal space. Oh, they're you can so hear it. fucking loud and in. Yeah. Front. This is the like sort of vocal led music in a weird. The way. vocals are like coming from around you. Yeah, it's it's v- very uncanny, very weird. <laughs> so, uh, okay, last sample for, for for which I I came up with a new terminus uh, piece of terminology that I think we'll be using in the future. So, uh, the last track. Uh, Er ist gehen liegt an het einde van der Tunnel. The whole hearing this track at the end kind of put the whole record together for me because it feels like once you finally get here, everything is leading to this point um, of a like maximal just like chaos and degeneracy, for which I have branded the new term schizo drone. Which I think is the only way I can describe whatever the fuck this thing is. If you tried to actually write this out musically in drum notation, it would just be a big note saying, just hit whatever symbol you want, like fucking whenever. Like, we don't care. Just just whack them. (laughs) 
it's it's just it's so awful this is like peak awful feeling like everything's so horrible it doesn't even like in those those dumb fucking like two chord riffs it doesn't even feel like those single chords are stable it it, it feels like I, I don't know there's like something the guitar tone is like sick like it's like got the flu or something like it can't even like hold a single power chord together it's almost like it's on a fretless guitar and it's kind of wavering in and out of pitch constantly. Mm. The whole record sounds like it's wavering in and out of pitch nonstop. Everything just feels bad. There is no stable surface for this music to ever rest on. Even the most bulldozery, straightforward, like open note chug parts feel like they're barely functioning. And that is great. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, the same thing, like, like, despite all that, that part totally rips. It's one of the, it's maybe the most rapid riffs per minute on the entire record. Like there's like five different parts happen, like one after another one. Um, and it's just got that like really driving, rolling, rolling double bass thing. The, the blast riff there at the end is, you can tell, it could be arbitrary, but it's written to be as, like, grating and inane as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's truly horrid. And the funny thing is that despite it all, all these songs have distinguishing characteristics. Like, I didn't even get, we didn't even get to sample uh, Zvarta Ruk, which is uh, where they just have, like, pure clangs on the guitars. Uh, it's, um... Yeah, it's a, this is a horrible racket, isn't it? It's, um, and so with that, I want to bring I want to bring us out on uh, on some of that abrasive garage punk I was talking about. This is the uh, this is the f- first record my dad ever told me to turn off and never play in the house again. <laughs> 